Test one, two. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's great to be able to share again with you. And um, this is actually the last message in this series. We've been doing the last little bit. Um, yeah, so if you haven't been with us or you're, you're visiting, um, we've been doing a series called Unhurry, which has kind of been reflecting on how we were forced to slow down last year and, and a bit this year through lockdowns and live more of an unhurried pace. But then kind of things open up and often things get really busy and rushed again. What does it look like to live um, and receive Jesus' invitation to a life of an easy yoke and a life of rest and rhythms and, and, and connection with God through different practices? So we've been looking at different ways to do that. Um, and we're kind of, yeah, trying to tie that together and finish up today as well. And um, yeah, so a few of the things we looked at was, um, yeah, just the, the practice of solitude and silence and how Jesus would take time away with his Father to um, just, yeah, have that deep, intimate relationship, even in the midst of busyness. Um, we looked at the practice of Sabbath and taking time to rest, Jesus teaching on simplicity. and um, But you might have noticed, like, there were kind of the practices and um, teachings, but kind of what I kind of feel underneath all of them, there's kind of this theme and principle, which is this battle between our desire for control versus a life of trust and rest. And often I think when we're hurried, and anxious or overly busy, it's because we want control or we're living out of an expectation that we should have control. And I think it's pretty normal because most people like control. Um, I like control. I like being able to know what's happening, like being able to know what I need to do, being able to make things happen. Um, and particularly with time even, like I like knowing when things will happen, what's the timeline of things. And even, yeah, the last year or so we've kind of started to realize that now we have to kind of live sometimes not knowing what's going to happen or how long things will take. Um, but yeah, in general, when, when things are happening, I like to be able to plan, like to know, okay, we're going out tonight, what time are we leaving so that I can plan that I've got all these things I can fit in so that it's all organized so then we can go. And that's just like a day but that can be with our lives as well. We want to know when things will happen so we can plan, so we can be organized. It's kind of an element of control. And it, we kind of see this almost happening with the disciples a little bit in this passage. Um, there's just been these amazing things happen. Jesus has been teaching. He's, he's gone to the cross. He's alive. He's been meeting with them for 40 days. And they kind of want to know what's, what's going to happen now, what's going to happen next. Um, I'll just see. Is that going to work? Yeah. So I'll just read through this passage in Acts one that we just read, it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John was baptized with water for a few days. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's all these amazing things that have been happening. Jesus is teaching. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about what will happen, how they need to wait. The question on the disciples' mind, though, it says they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time now going to restore the kingdom? Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They want to know the time. It's kind of a little bit like kids in a car even, like they're driving somewhere and they want to know, when are we going to get there? I remember that um, when I was a kid, always asking, how long is it? And are we going to get there? How far away is it? I was thinking it's probably interesting because back then, I'm guessing mum and dad didn't always know because you didn't always know how long something was going to take. 
I don't know what parents do now. You've got maps. You can be like, oh, it's going to take literally three minutes. <laughs> like, you can just look at a timer. Because we're kind of used to knowing how long things are going to take now. Like, like we can enter information and we can know how long it's going to take us to get somewhere. We, know, we can have a schedule. We're kind of used to knowing the times. And they kind of want to know. Like, okay, now is the time. Is this the time that the, the full realization of the kingdom is going to happen? They've, they've asked it before. They're asking it again. They're kind of asking, are we there yet? They're interested. And we, again, might feel like that a lot in our lives. We just want to know how long it's going to take for something to happen. We're in COVID. We want to know how long is the lockdown going to last? How long till we can travel again? Or maybe personal things in our lives. Like, we don't know when our baby's going to come. <laughs> like, it could be soon. It could be late. It'd be nice to know exactly when, but we don't, we don't know. Um, maybe bigger things. How, how long till I find the person that I'd like to marry? How long until the job comes that I'd like to have? We'd like to know. Jesus responds to them, though, to this question, is it now, Lord? His response is, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Um, I guess we don't really know how Jesus said this. I kind of like to picture him basically saying, mind your own business, (laughs) is effectively what he's saying. The Father knows, he's set the times, he has authority, and it's not for you to know is his response. Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation um, says Jesus told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. And that can be frustrating. We want to know the time of something. We want to know how long it will be. We want to know whether it's near or whether it's far. But there's actually a freedom in not knowing, but knowing that the Father knows. The Father knows when, the full realization where the kingdom will be. He knows when things will happen in our lives. He doesn't, he knows, so we don't need to know. We can trust his timing. And sometimes it's better that we don't know. Like, if, if they knew that it would be over 2,000 years until the full realization of the kingdom, that would probably be quite discouraging. That may have had a, a massive effect on their current mindset. Like, they were so excited about what's happening. That's like, well, 2,000 years? Like, like they might have been really discouraged and de- devalued the significance of what God was actually doing at that time. You think about in our own lives, like, things that have happened that you're waiting for, would you have wanted to know how long it would take and when it would happen? And if we did just get given a timeline that we know it's going to be this long and then this is going to happen, we probably would just like sit back and wait or just do nothing. We don't have to press in and trust God. And often it may be worse if we knew. But there's comfort in knowing that He knows. Somebody knows the times. The Father does. He knows what day our baby will be born exactly, which is a cool thought. Like the Father knows. He knows um, what, what that thing we're waiting for in our lives is going to happen, that he knows. He knows exactly the day when Jesus is coming again. He knows. The Father has a plan. He has authority. And he knows. And we can trust him. There's actually great comfort in knowing he knows. We don't have to know. What we're doing is thinking of practices so that we're not just talking about how to slow down, but actually working out ways in our lives to practice. So how could we practice this? Perhaps when we are finding ourselves anxious to know how long something will be, when we're impatient, we're waiting for something for an unknown time, we can just tell ourselves the Father knows and release it to Him in faith. And even actual, actual practice, sometimes a physical practice can be helpful. I was just thinking, you just touch your wrist. If you're anxious, how long is this going to be? When is this going to happen? Just touch your wrist. It's okay. I don't need to know the time. 
the Father knows. We can trust and rest in Him. We tend to like to know the times of things, but I think that can lead to a sense of hurriedness. Again, if we need to be knowing the schedule and we need to have it under control, but actually, no, the Father knows we can trust Him. We can enter that rest. In a similar sense, I think that the desire for control can manifest in wanting to be able to do things in our own strength, be able to make things happen, be able to have power and authority of our own. And that can be good. There's good, there's good things that we need to be responsible for and do, but particularly following Jesus, particularly many of the struggles and issues we have in life, if we approach them in our own strength, without the presence and power of God, it's overwhelming and exhausting and leads to being hurried. But we see this promise um, that Jesus gives his disciples. Again, I'll read these verses. On this occasion, one occasion he was eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. Again, they may be ready to go, but Jesus says, no, wait. You need to wait for the Spirit. Again, in the next few verses, in verse 7 to 8, it says, It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He doesn't tell them the time. He tells them what's going to happen, and that they're going to receive power by the Spirit for the role and the job that's ahead. The disciples are not to run ahead by themselves. They're not to do it in their own strength. They're not to just go out because they're excited that Jesus is alive. They're to wait for power for the mission. And this is true of the whole Christian life, right? The whole Christian life is a life of relying and experiencing the power of the Spirit to change us. Our job is to align to the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit, but it's the Spirit that empowers us. We don't rely on our own strength but his. Again, Jesus put it pretty bluntly another time. He said, you can do nothing without me. Nothing, right? Like, it's not like we can just try really hard. It's like, no, you can do nothing without me. It's like, and it's kind of good to realize that. We're actually not supposed to live independent of God. We're supposed to live in a trusting, dependent relationship of him by the Spirit. So they're told to wait for the Spirit to come. And again, if we run ahead in our own strength, if we try and live life depending on ourselves, that leads to exhaustion. That leads to hurriedness. So when we feel hurried or when we're having to wait for something, perhaps again impatient, wanting to make something happen in our own strength, we can take opportunities to wait when we feel hurried to actually slow down and remember that the Spirit is present and come back to the place of reliance. Um, this, is, this is not really a biblical spiritual practice, but it's something people are talking more about as just an, a thing that you can incorporate into your life to do this unhurry thing, which is people are calling the practice of slowing. And the idea is that you deliberately do things slower. Um, so you walk slower, you pick the longest line at the grocery store, not the shortest line. You don't change lanes when you're driving to the shorter lane. Um, You deliberately put yourself in places where you have to wait. And as a spiritual practice, to remind ourselves that actually waiting is okay. We're not doing things in our own strength. We need to slow down and stay in this place of dependence and trust in the Spirit. So when we're forced to wait, that can be an opportunity just to to stop and to come back and to slow down. Or, Or perhaps even if we're feeling hurried, we can intentionally slow down 
um, just take some time out. Um, maybe just go sit down and just find um, just a place of rest. And again, uh, um, a physical practice we could do, if you're, if you're anxious, hurried, again, perhaps your heart's racing, there's frustration because of the red light or something like that, just put your hand on your heart and just remember, wait, we're to slow down, to live by the Spirit. It's interesting, um, yeah, because otherwise, if we're not doing that, we're living in human strength, and often we get fixated on human issues. Um, there's this, this chapter in Corinthians when Paul is talking to the church, and the church is having all these struggles about people arguing over leaders and leadership problems in the church, and Paul's response to them is basically like, you're so human. <laughs> you're acting like humans, like mere humans. And he's like, you're not supposed to be mere humans. You're supposed to be people who live by the Spirit. So we're actually to not just focus on human issues, human strength, human concerns, but the, the presence of the Spirit. So we like to know the times, but the Father knows the times we can trust Him. We tend to like to do things in our own strength. Jesus says, you can do nothing without me, but to rest and rely on Him. I think as well, we tend to like to be able to see things. When we can see what's happening, we can, we can understand and, and use our sight to control life. It can make things a lot easier. Whereas we can't see, it can lead to anxiety, can lead to, again, that sense of being hurried. And again, this happens to the disciples. They can't see Jesus anymore. It says, after this, he was taken up from before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They saw him leave, right? Like, he, he, he's ascending, but he disappears, and the clouds hidden, hidden him. It says that, then they were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. They explained what's happening. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. They saw Jesus leaving and being hidden, but they explained that what actually was happening is that he was entering heaven and that he will return. Um, Tiff mentioned it before. Um, this Sunday is um, Ascension Sunday, effectively. Thursday was 40 days from Easter. So Ascension Day was just gone on Thursday. Next Sunday is Pentecost. Um, so it's kind of th- today's a great day to celebrate this um, event that happened, that Jesus ascended to heaven that he leaves earth and takes his rightful throne at the right hand of the Father. So it looks like he's leaving, and he is leaving, but he's leaving to reign. He's leaving to enter heaven, and then, as we know, to send the Spirit again. Uh, and it, it's easy to kind of skip over this, this aspect of the story. We kind of really celebrate the resurrection and, and Easter, but then often the ascension is kind of just a story that we don't really see the significance of, but it's, it's incredibly significant because it's not just that Jesus is alive, but that Jesus reigns in heaven and is enthroned as king over all. Um, I thought this quote was great by Mari Harris. The resurrection proclaims he lives and that forever. The exaltation proclaims he reigns and that forever. And um, the New Testament talks about this a lot. It's actually one of the most quoted Old Testament verses in the New Testament is a psalm about this event. Um, you might have heard this psalm before. It's, it's referenced a lot in Acts. Psalm 110, verse 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, 
sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. This is this verse about God raising up his Messiah king, sitting at his right hand, reigning until all his enemies are in submission. And in Acts, the apostles talk about this again. It gets quoted again and again, that this ascension of Jesus is something that we can't see. Right? We can't see into heaven, but the reality is he reigns now in heaven. He has the victory. Jesus is now in control of the world. He reigns and will reign until all his enemies are conquered. Even though it doesn't look like it, he is the rightful king. He's on the throne of heaven, and the throne of heaven is the control room of the universe. So Jesus is Lord now. Jesus reigns now and will return. So we don't focus on what we can see on earth, but what is true in heaven. Um, again, at the end of Matthew, Jesus references this, and he says that he has been given all authority in heaven and earth. He's now directing history according to his purposes. And a big part of that is he's giving people freedom and opportunity to hear the gospel, hear the good news, and come to faith. But again, it doesn't necessarily look like that, right? It doesn't look like Jesus is in charge. But the reality is he is. He's reigning, he's Lord, and he's working in and through history. If we kind of look out at the world, though, it probably looks more like the storm when the disciples are in the boat. They're in a storm, and all they can see is waves and, and rain and lightning and thunder, and they're freaking out. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And Jesus' rebuke to them is, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And in a similar way, we can look out on the world, and it looks like a storm. We look at countries, look at issues, look at problems in our country, in our world, in our lives. But Jesus' rebuke to us might again be, why are you afraid? He's Lord. He's reigning now. He's Lord over the flood and is working. So again, our practice is that when things look bad, when we're looking with our eyes and they look bad, we can't see clearly. Remember that Jesus now reigns and we are waiting for his return when his rule will be complete. We don't look at what we can see. We look at the, the reality of heaven where Jesus is Lord and reigning now. Paul puts it this way in Colossians. He said, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's saying that now. At the moment, right now, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your, thing, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Basically, he's saying our true life and the true reality of the world and the reality of the kingdom is not currently seen, but it's true. It's the true reality. Jesus is Lord. He's in control. And one day, that true reality will be revealed when he returns. Just because it's not able to be seen doesn't mean it's not true. So again, if we are finding ourselves overwhelmed by what we can see or can't see, and uh, there's confusion and fear and hurriedness and anxiety, a practice could just be to close our eyes and remember that Jesus is Lord. He ascended. He's on the throne. He's in control. And one of the main ways we do this is even what we're doing today is through prayer and worship. Because the response to Jesus as Lord, exalted as King, 
is to worship Him and to pray to Him and to trust Him. Tom Wright on this, he says this, all those who name the name of Jesus, who worship Him, who study His Word, are called to be people of worship and prayer. Why? Well, isn't it? It's obvious, isn't it? It is precisely in worship and prayer that we, while still on earth, find ourselves sharing the life of heaven, which is where Jesus is. The constant references to prayer in Acts are a sign that this is how these very ordinary, frequently muddled, deeply human beings, the apostles and others with them, found that their story was being bound up with the story of what Jesus was continuing to do and teach. It's actually, they had prayer and worship, this life of heaven at the center of their community, which led to this life being bound up with what God's doing. And in many ways, I think that's what it looks like to live an unhurried life. It's a life where our life is bound up with what God's doing. It's that God is working, that He's leading, that He has a vision for the world, that He has a plan for our lives, and He carries the load, and He's the main character in the story, and He's the center, and He has the victory, and we get to live under that. And there's actually a peace, whereas when we're at the center, it can be overwhelming. We hurry and we tend to worry when we don't know how long something will take, and we think we need to know because we think we need to be in control, and we think we're in charge. We want to know the times and the seasons, but it's not for us to know. The Father knows we can trust those times to Him, and let those times when we feel like that remind us that He knows we don't need to know we can trust Him. We hurry and we worry when we think that we need to run ahead in our own strength, or that the tasks and the, the, the things that we're called to, we have to do by our own power and independence. But what we need is the empowerment of the Spirit, and to remember we can do nothing without Him, and that actually He is with us, and we can slow down and remember His presence and come back to that place of reliance. We hurry and we, we worry when we can't see. We can't see the reality of heaven. We see chaos on earth. Things look bad. We wonder where Jesus is. Maybe we wish that he stayed here. But the truth is he's reigning. He's Lord of the church. He's king of the world. He's Lord of our lives. He's working. And those times when we're worried are opportunities to fix our eyes on him again in prayer and worship. So the Father knows the Spirit is present. Jesus is ruling. He will come again. We don't have to carry the burden of life. We don't have to run ahead by our own selves. We're invited to trust that God's got this, that we can rest in Him, that it's His work, it's His mission, and He calls us to this easy yoke with Him. And I think part of this then comes down to a deeper question. Um, if we're finding ourselves hurried and anxious and worried about life, there's a deeper question behind it. The deeper question effectively is who is Lord? Am I Lord of my own life? Do I need to control it? Do I need to manage it? Do I need to make things happen? That will lead to an overwhelmingly exhausting, heavy burden. But if Jesus is Lord, and He is working, and He has authority, and He has victory, and our job is to trust Him and submit to Him and be okay with not knowing and not understanding, but that fact that, that, that He knows and He understands, there's a light load. And what we need, though, it's practices like we've been talking about, things that we can do to keep us in that place of recognizing He's Lord, He's good. Because the natural thing is for us to keep taking the burden, to keep coming back to ourselves. We need ways to stay in this place where we acknowledge He is Lord because it's actually the best place to be. 
And it's okay to like control, but God's made us to control ourselves and to choose from a place of free will to submit ourselves to him and to trust in him that he's got control, that he's working things out, and that we can rest in him. I thought this great quote to finish um, by a guy named Steve um, Siemens, he said this, when the government is on his shoulders, we flourish and we are free as never before. When the burden of the world and the burden of the church and the burden of our lives when the government is on Jesus' shoulders, we flourish and we are free as never before. So I'll invite you to stand as we respond. I'll pray and then then we're just going to continue to be in that posture of worship and prayer. Just thank you, uh, triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You're the center. You are worthy of praise. Lord, you have done it. You've, you've made a way for us to know you and, and live with you and live a life surrounded by the Trinity. And we just ask that you give us grace to enter that afresh this morning and in deeper ways, God, where we are living as our own lords, carrying the burden ourselves. We just ask for grace to release it to you. Uh, where we're caught up in a busy, hurried world, give us grace to slow down and know this, these realities that your word points us to, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you that you're on the throne, that you are Lord and King. Father, you know all things. Spirit, you're in us and with us. Just ask that we would experience these truths more and more this week in our lives. Just pray this in your name. Amen.